money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Got to hear um, that Lincoln Way, to hear the concerns, hear the uh, proud moments of a great school district uh, that is, is trying to make a very difficult decision with you. Uh, as I understand, there hasn't been that many superintendents in Lincoln, and heavy is the crown, but more importantly, the responsibility of that. And I am truly honored to be here in front of all of you. Um, for those that haven't heard, and I've spoken to all today, uh, my career in education didn't come across as a normal pathway. Uh, as a son of a coach and a teacher, uh, we were really pushed not to be teachers. Uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, youngest of five, and um, I was cruising along, 11th grade, and I know some of you have heard this, but 11th grade, top of the world, basketball, academic scholarships, knowing that you're going to go and, and, and do, the, do that American dream of going to college and, and such um, ended when my father became sick, my mother was sick, and I had to go to work. Through that, um, I made some business decisions and owned a small business and continued to go to college at night at local junior college because I couldn't get education out of me. I was a great student. I couldn't leave it alone. And it was at my father's funeral that I realized the amount of people he touched as a teacher and a coach. Is there a greater calling? Is there a better profession? It is the salt of the earth. And I, and I realized that I might have been captured in that moment, knowing that um, so many people have been touched by him, but it wasn't a bad place to be. Um, and, and the next day I enrolled at uh, the University of Miami. And for those in Nebraska that have a long history, we know what University of Miami we're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and I haven't regretted one second of that decision. I stepped out of business. I was a general contractor as well. My brothers are still in the business. They're doing very well. Um, but there was that calling. And I began teaching in the inner city, uh, seventh grade geography, John F. Kennedy Middle School, Riviera Beach, 151 students, African-American, and one white student um, in a mixed family. And as I've told the story, uh, I thought I was just going to go in there and teach. My dad did it. Couldn't be that hard. I'm going to make the difference. And it was hard. And it was two weeks into that my tenure when I was about to not teach anymore. And uh, an assistant principal came to me, who I later had hired after she retired because she was so valuable. I said, you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> I didn't need her to tell me that. Um, she told me that you're, you're teaching children as though they are you. And although this was 28 years ago, um, it was different and I realized she was absolutely right I needed to establish that relationship that trust that person in front of them that wasn't going to yell at them or call them a name or, or, or think that they're doing something wrong and just give them an opportunity to be who they were and after becoming the basketball coach that year I really valued everything I learned and I say everything I learned I'm not sure how much I taught that year but I know I learned a lot that year. Um, 
And it was from there I understood how to be successful and how all teachers, including my dad, became successful. Because we understand it as a relationship. And when you teach, the title of teacher is not a professor. It's not a deliverer of information. It's not someone who stands in front and talks to you. It means you're teaching a human being. And that's the role of a teacher. You're not a teacher until you do that. My career sped through pretty quickly. I was in the right place at the right time, becoming an assistant principal, then a principal. And during those principal times, I, I was called the fixer. And I still am, I guess I'm considered somewhat of a fixer because there were several inequities going on in schools. There were several issues going on schools. And schools were, and we rate them from A to B and C and D and F. You certainly don't want to be in D and F. Uh, one of the schools was a C and it needed to be an A. And uh, I was able to make a difference because it was a cultural change. It was a change of an old downtown school that was uh, embedded, steeply embedded into um, tradition. But the traditions weren't working. And to change the traditional thought process to make a school better is not easy. It's not something you do quickly either. You make sure you, you, you uh, approach it and, and one toe at a time as you step in. But you've got to remember the objective is taking care of children, not taking care of adults. Taking care of adults is important in our industry, but it starts with taking care of children. And with that mindset, I was moved to a high school to do the same thing. And as I tell the story, uh, my first year, I was told to make it an A. It was two weeks before the school year started, and the superintendent, who had a knack for moving me from one place to another and promoting me, said, Pete, I need to make it an A school. The business community is not happy. Real estate agents are not happy. Uh, the property values need to be higher because you're, you're, you know, the school's going to be a C, and we only expect A schools where you are. Um, we missed it by one point that year. And in grading an A, B, C, D, we missed it by one. We had one of the biggest gains of any school in the state, high school in the state. And it was simply by culture. I didn't change much of the staff. I just changed the culture that every child belonged because a new school opened down the street. And that phenomenon of everyone thinking that the new school is going to be better and that you're a better student or you're a better teacher if you go there and you forget what's going on in the school you are. And a lot of the fo folks in that school, staff and students, felt left behind in a sense. And they weren't. They were phenomenal folks. We missed it by one. And I, and I remember dreading going in and realizing this is a, this is a failure. Um, so I bought a pin for every, every staff member, 120 of them. And when it came in that August, because we get our scores over the summer, they said simply, oh, great, one, it stands for the one point we missed an A by. And my response was sharply, after a couple times I had heard that, is no. We have 120 staff members on this campus. Each one of you are ordered to find a child that wasn't successful last year. Each one of you finds one that's 120 children. We changed that child's life this year we're not going to have to worry about the A. But find that child we didn't get to because we need to find that child and we need to get to them. Well, needless to say, we blew it out of the water. We became the A. Got a letter from Governor Bush at the time, hand signed in the whole nine yards. Uh, and apparently my work uh, was done there. Uh, <laughs> then I got moved up into the district to be a curriculum director. Uh, another promotion, which was wonderful. Uh, made some great changes there. And then. Uh, was fortunate enough to become the assistant superintendent of choice and innovation, which um, is where really the impact of a magnitude of a district of 190,000, I felt I had a really big impact. And we later became, as I was challenged, because our programs were wonderful, our programs were great, but the superintendent then, who's since passed, unfortunately, and a phenomenal man, uh, said, Pete, make our programs even better, but make them equal, because right now they look elitist. And I did that by not extending the budget much, but increasing programs, 150, 200, making sure that kids weren't spending 
45 minutes on a bus and investing in diesel fuel to move children from one school to another instead of by putting programs into these places and making sure children didn't have to go very far and making it viable and spending our money wisely, investing in programs that data supported that said it was successful, not something that was bright and shiny that someone liked because it looked good or they were connected to the vendor or they were connected to the salesperson. That doesn't work in my book. But what we did is we beat data down over and over and again. And what we also looked at is we knew we could be the best. And there's a little competition between Dave Broward and, and Palm Beach counties. Um, and for those that don't know, I, I withdrew from Broward's finalists, and that's even where I was born. My wife and I were born there, we're married there. It's 20 minutes down the road, but I needed to focus on Lincoln. And just like I focused on this, we were going to be better than those, even though Dade is twice the size of us, and Broward is 50% uh, bigger than us. We became the best in CTA, in industry certification, and acceleration credits, AP and IB. Uh, we became the best, not in the state, but in the country. And that, to me, was pretty impressive. And we did it in a fashion that we stood, a, a small team of mine, but our team, and when I say I up here, please, it's an interview, so we say I, but nothing's done by I. This is done by teams and great teams that gather and have the same common goal. When I stood in Washington, D.C., at the Hilton Hotel and received an award for the best, most equitable programs, academic academy programs uh, in the country, I knew that we had accomplished our goal because that was our focus. It was that one goal. We didn't have 16 goals. We had one. And then we started working on other subgroups that weren't, we weren't serving as well and, and even got even better. And then moved to the region where when I, we got to the region, we didn't know something called uh, coronavirus. It was only five months away, six months away. But one of the schools I received was a D. And that means you're on a state list. And that was a Title I school. And those teachers worked as hard as any teachers in the, in the district. But apparently what they were doing was not good enough for the state. And they became a D. And we made some adjustments. We focused on instruction. We focused on making sure that uh, the standards met what we were teaching. And the teaching met what the, what the state asked us to do through curriculum and assessments. And we focused on making sure that teachers weren't wasting their time. They were spending time on things that mattered, that were, were worked in every other school. Well, then the pandemic hit. And, the governor decided we weren't going to grade schools that year, and it was sort of a letdown. We had a lot of other things going on at the time, but um, we progressed through it. And then we, 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 we continued to go to school virtually, just like you did here, and then the hybrid in so many different ways. And then we came across last year, and we tested again. The state tested, and they said, this time they're not going to count unless you want them to count. Well, it's not often you get that opportunity. And most schools across the country, I'd say probably 90, 95% of the schools across the country, actually declined in their academics. There's that learning loss. Well, here I have a Title I school that's an under state watch that's a D. And I didn't hesitate and said, we're going to count that score at that school because I think we're going to still do it. Even during all this learning loss, I think we're going to come out of that D range and become a C, maybe a B. And we did. We became a C. And I'm, I think we could have been a B the earlier year, but that's the, the other main focus. When you prioritize your goals with a team and focus in on that, good things happen. You can't focus on 16 different things. We're fortunate to be here in this district that has so many great things. And focusing on one thing at a time to make even better is something we need to do. That's, the, that's a way longer version than I expected to give you in front of you today because I really am looking forward to your questions. And I do not say that with any any kind of tone other than I enjoy hearing questions because I learn from the questions and I'm willing to tell you who I am and how I am and how I've done it as I, as I expect some tough ones. And, uh
And that is me in a nutshell. Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Licata. And you may take your mask off if you'd like. You decide that. We're going to have, you know, some questions. I would, I would defer to this crowd if they're okay with me taking my mask off as well. Okay. okay. I think it's important we respect everybody when we, when we include that. So thank you so much. I You're appreciate welcome. it. Um, as I've said to the other groups, I still look better with a mask on, but I'll take it off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, board. I, I believe we will start with our questions. I want to make sure everyone understands that we have about eight minutes for each question. We do need to be done here at 8.30 so we can move on to the next candidate. Um, I will let you proceed through them. Um, Ms. Danik, we will have you start, please. Thank you, Mrs. Duncan. So in Lincoln Public Schools, and it, it has been a delight to meet with you today. In Lincoln Public Schools, we've, we've long said all means all. It's every child, every single day. How would you continue on this work and help us improve the work with students, staff, and our community? Uh, all means all, I've seen that a lot. Um, it's something you strive for, but it's, it's words if you don't work towards it. It's simply words. When I hear that statement, thank you, when I hear that statement, I think back to when I was at the pinnacle of my success as the assistant superintendent, standing on that stage, winning that national award, our team around us, and going back the next year and going, we're not getting all. We did this with most. We are here because we paid attention to most, more than we did before. The next year we set our goals and sights towards our ELL and our ESC students and included them in the acceleration piece. And we set a high goal and we not only set that at 10%, but we achieved it and we doubled it. Because, and it wasn't a lot of kids, it was, it was somewhere around 300. But that was 300 that never had an opportunity. And that was part of the all. When you say all means all, that's a, it really is something to strive towards. But it's not true unless you accomplish it. We have to understand that every child that walks through the door has a different need. And that need is going to go great, grow greater as we move along, especially in the mental health areas. But we have to stop thinking that we can apply old school thinking and templates on success of education of children that when I taught my first year, when I taught, I thought they were learning. They weren't listening to me. I had to develop a different strategy. So when all means all, it means that we have to start changing some of the things we do. And this is a very good district. And be very proud of everything you do because it is the best, if I'm, not on, if I'm not mistaken, the best in Nebraska. But we have to start changing some of our thinking because right now all isn't all. Just look at your graduation rate, which is very commendable, and look at your gap. When we, when we say that and we feel good about it, it's when everything is equal and everything is equal across the board and 100% of kids are graduating. And no parent has to face their child who hasn't graduated and figure out what now. So that, that to all me as all is a very good, strong statement, but it's not good unless you put it to action. Um, so you've listed a number of accomplishments tonight. Could you please describe in detail your most significant accomplishment as an educational leader? You're asking a very difficult question because um, I think I expounded on something that I hold dearly. So I'll do this in stages because um, becoming the best in the country is being the best in the country. It's hard to signify that as something that is not uh, the best. But I'm also going to go back to something else because that would be obviously something strong. And moving a school from D to C during a pandemic when no one else was moving is, is also something I can be very proud of. I look back at two items, and it's when I was a high school principal. 
And, and you know we're talking about being a superintendent, but you're not a superintendent unless you're a principal, and you're never, never stop being a teacher. There was two things that I can point to. When I became um, high school principal and moved to the high school, I believe our graduation rate for our white students was about 90, 91%. And it was a 30, 30, 30 school. It was probably 40, 30, 20 uh, uh, white, um, Hispanic, and African American. But the African American graduation rate was below 55. I think it was near 51 or 52. And the Hispanic was just over 60. So, you know, 91% for a, a group is really good. But the others aren't very good. And I knew that there was some voids in everyone's um, makeup on, on what we thought education looked like at that school because I had taught at that school years before and it looked a lot different. And there were some of the same teachers there and I knew that the culture was that school was still the same and it isn't. It wasn't. Um, and I needed to show that every kid mattered. I needed to show that we are there to educate, we're not there to judge. And I needed to show that our focus has to be on making sure our children feel accepted and wanted and not feel that the first line of defense is disciplining them, much like my first year of teaching. And I'll point to one incident where I was able to not only show it, but um, I realized it might have been a, 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 a pivotal point for, for the staff. And the school was built in a, a stadium type way and the entire school of 2,000 people come together, okay, um, come together in a mall area that's uh, roughly the size of a, a large high school gymnasium second floor most of the classes and I would always stand at the bottom floor and make sure you know you do what you do and make sure kids get to class on time and a young man had walked past me with a hat on and at the time when hats were um, not always the best thing at school because they signified certain affiliations or such uh, I had asked him to remove it and I'm gonna call this young man Tim because he might be listening I don't know but I don't want to identify him and he looked at me and I said, you know the rules, just please just take the hat off, get to class on time. And he turned around and put his chest up to mine and picked his hand up like he was going to hit me. At this time, the, pretty much the entire school was standing up in an arena looking at me to see what I was going to do. And I asked him, I said, you have two choices here. Change your life by taking a swing at me or sitting and waiting for me in my conference room. You choose. And in uh, about that tone, too. And uh, he walked away, and he was very angry and cursing. School was a buzz. Someone almost, you know, got after the principal. And I had walked into the conference room. I said, listen, I'm not sure what it is, but I just asked you to take the hat off. I said, is there something that I did other than that? Uh, you know it's the rule. I know it's the rule. I just got thrown out of my house last night by my mother's boyfriend who beat me up. He wasn't angry at me. He was angry. It wasn't me. I just happened to be the person that has to take his hat off. So I looked up his record, which I would always do, the academic record of the child, and it was a 2.1. Well, 2.0, you graduate. 1.9, you don't graduate. He's a senior. And I'm thinking, if he's 2.1 now, and he's pretty much homeless, and he's going to rely on living at a friend's house for the rest of the year while working, there's no way he's going to make that graduation. So what I did is uh, I asked him if he would mind if I changed the schedule a little bit. And he said, you're going to send me, you're going to spell me, you're going to send me. I said, oh, absolutely not. Worse, you're going to be coming here for lunch for the next two months, and you're going to sit in that room and make sure we get our work in some of these teachers' classrooms made up so you graduate on time. Uh, 
it was sort of a pivotal point because when he graduated, he hugged me, and, and everyone knew who this child was. It was that point in your career that you look and say, did I make the right decision, and did I show my staff what I expect of them, not just what I expect of me? And that young man went to the uh, Army or Marines. Uh, I get a little emotional about this story, but uh, he's now successful. It was a pivotal point in his life that I made the decision whether it was my ego or his success. I think the students and staff understood that we were there for children at that point. So winning the graduation rate had a lot to do with culture, but it also had to do with making a difference with, with students and making them the focus. Um, and I had to make a choice, and uh, I made the adult choice. I think I made the right choice that day. Thank you. And I am next. It is important to the board that our next superintendent be a strong and visible part of the Lincoln community. How do you stay visible and accessible to community members, students, staff, and parents? So it's applicable to any type of role you have in, in leadership. Um, when your staff sees you participating with what they're doing and knowing what they're doing, they're going to do it with a better step, with a better lockstep of idea that you care about what they're doing. If you are not seen, if the principal stays in the office, if the director stays in their office, if the superintendent stays in the building, the folks that are on the front lines doing the work are going to wonder who you are and why aren't you seeing what's going on in schools. I spent my life as a principal in the lunchroom, not because I wanted to yell at kids and make sure they were in line and not cut line. I spent my time in there because I sat next to them and hear, to hear what they had to say. I wanted to spend time in the faculty lunchroom to hear what they had to say as well as the staff. We have to be out there. Uh, there are meetings that have to take place here. Um, but if you follow me in any type of social media circles or ask anybody that I've ever worked for or worked for me, they'll say that visibility is probably a biggest strength, maybe to a fault. Paperwork can be done when nobody's around. Meetings have to be done in a different format now, but most of the time you have to be at them. But visiting schools is what we do. We are a building that supports schools led by principals where teachers teach children. If you break it down to that, you have to know that process and understand that children are what we work for. And if you don't know the connection there, you're probably lost in what you do. I will never lose that relationship, especially with teachers and students, but mostly our principals, because they are leading schools and they make the biggest difference on an entire campus. Teachers make it in the classroom, principals make it on campuses, and we have to support that. We're a big building. We don't teach children in this building. We have to make sure we understand who does that and how we can support them and make sure we know what's going on. Community-wise, it's important that I support the businesses, make sure they understand that what their voice is is what the talent pool stays here in Lincoln, whether they go down the street to uh, Nebraska or whether they go to Wesleyan or whether they go somewhere else. We want them to come back because the talented kids need to come back. All the kids need to come back. And we want to make it a place where they're skilled to meet the needs of the changing workforce. When I graduated from high school, it was a largely different world. And in 10 years, it will be a largely different world. Let's make sure we are hearing the people in the world that make the difference in business and industry and provide them with that group of people that can be their talented workforce, all the children to make yeah. that talented workforce. So you have to be prevalent. And sometimes you ask, ask them, you really want our children, and we're going to do what you ask us to make them talented, but we need you to put some skin in the game as well. And I think Lincoln does an amazing job on that. I'm a little envious about that because I think it's one of the best models, and you really are active in it. So kudos to you all. Thank you. Okay. 
All right, I got the next one. Uh, so one of our board priorities is increasing the graduation rate at LPS. Uh, what have you done in previous districts that was successful in raising graduation rates, and where would you start at LPS to increase our graduation rate, making sure we maintain and enhance academic rigor while improving and maintaining high graduation rate among disaggregated groups? So um, I don't think I have enough money to put on that table to tell you to ask me that question because, you know, that's my wheelhouse. Um, I think a goal of ours is graduation. That's our biggest measurement. Um, and I know I just repeated that with a couple of you. Um, we measure our success by students who graduate. Businesses measure a profit and loss statement. We don't have that opportunity. And when business folks ask me, you know, public education, you guys fail on us. I always say, you know, the graduation rate where my region is with my nine high schools is 98%. Do we have businesses that succeed at 98%? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure we don't. I'm pretty sure it's under 50% for success of businesses. So I understand how strong a graduation rate means to the success of all children. Because even at 98%, out of every 100 kids, there's two kids that go home to parents and tell them they didn't graduate. And I don't want to be that parent, and I don't want to talk to that parent, because they're going to ask me why my child didn't graduate or why their child didn't graduate. And I'm not going to have an answer for that. And that work is done when everyone graduates. And I don't mean just graduate. I mean graduate with a diploma that says everything, the great things with, with your signature, my signature, whoever. But on the, underneath of that is invisible ink that says, under this are options. You didn't just graduate from high school and you wake up the next morning and have nothing to do. Underneath of that lies the option of, do I want to go to college rather than am I able to go to college? Am I smart enough? Do I want to go to a tech school or can I go to a tech school? Or do I want to go to the workforce in the tech industry and have the tech industry pay for my college? Or do I want to go into the service and not start at the bottom rung because I got this and this and this and I got this industry cert and I got this accelerated coursework and some college coursework? That's what lies underneath the diploma, not the fact that you met minimal requirements, because we're shooting for the middle right there, and that's unacceptable. We need to provide more than that. How you get there is a very difficult way, and it doesn't start in ninth grade. I believe it starts before third grade. As some of you know, um, a lot of prisons back in the 80s and 90s built their uh, bed sizes in their capacity on reading scores of the local schools, probably the most vulgar and disgusting statistic that's actually true. Uh, we have to get out of that realm. Reading doesn't start at third grade. If you've, if you've started learning to read at third grade, you're well behind, and the success of you getting your high school degree, much less your college degree, is very, very um, low. We have to look at looking at fourth and fifth grade, real pre-K focus on phonics, phonemic awareness, and start talking about students learning to read at an earlier age, and then let's start talking about them meaning. Because as I've shown everyone, Student A and student B start out in third grade with the same capacity, but student A has the resources to get to where they can read by the end of the year. Student B does not. And all of a sudden, the student B is starting to track in a different direction, remedial reading, remedial math, regular courses, while this student continues to track towards advanced, gets to sixth grade, now advanced math and advanced language arts. They get to high school, and now they're in accelerated coursework, and this person is still fighting to get the graduate requirement test required by the state, where this one's already two years into college. Uh, if I look properly and go back, I'm pretty sure we know who created that gap. We're complaining about a gap that we probably created not knowing we created it. We have to start figuring out to stop that gap right there and make sure that student B gets the support to be successful as student A, because the last I checked, their, their uh, ability was exactly the same. 
but one had more resources. And that really leads back to equity. And I'm guaranteeing that many of those that did that gap are probably that 13 or 14 percent or 15 percent that haven't graduated um, in four years. Now that, that graduation rate we have in, in Florida, we're very proud of it. They altered some of it, but it's still incredibly high, and that's four years on target. That is not anything extended. We have different things, but we still have required tests to pass, uh, certain, certain bars to get through. It doesn't start in ninth grade. It starts way before then, and it's not a one-year thing. You can't just make a quick formula and say everyone graduates. Uh, but if you're going to put your uh, thought process to what is the end goal of what we do, 100% graduation with more than just the option of saying I met the minimum requirements, and then, then you can lean back and say the Lincoln way is the best way, and all does mean all. So you've done your research and you've had time to talk with a lot of people today. What aspect or aspects about the LPS superintendent job are you the most confident about performing and would bring you joy? And what aspect are you the least confident about performing and have given you cause to pause? Okay, I can answer the second part real quick. No, nothing. And I don't mean that in a sarcastic tone. I mean it serious. There's nothing that gives me pause at anything. And during my research, of, um, you know, I, I refer to this often. And I, it may sound hokey to some folks listening or here. Uh, I, I can't make that decision without full cooperation from um, my wife. This is a joint decision. We, we want to make sure that we fit into a community that's well established and has the same parallel uh, realistic view of how our world is and how, where it's going and we want to be a part of that community not that I'm not a part of it now but we also want to be a part of that and I also want to be a part that makes it even better I know good to great is a big novel here and it's a big piece here and it's a great novel but um, we want to we want to be better what I love about LPS the celebration of successes the idea that the community is so involved and I am a people person. It probably didn't take you very long to figure that out. My best skill set is working and talking to people in relationships. Because once you have people on the same side as you and working for the common goal, we can do a lot of things. It's when we have difficulty reaching that same goal and how we're going to get there. Getting the same goal is important. How are we going to get there? We can work that through. But we have to have a common goal. And if I don't know what the people in the community want, then I don't know what we're going to get to. We don't know where we're going. And remember, there's an underserved population out here that doesn't feel, although it's the best community I've seen, there are probably some that don't feel like part of the community. And when you talk about the Lincoln community, you don't talk about the Lincoln communities of Lincoln. You talk about the Lincoln community. And it's my role to make sure I attend their church. I attend their rec center. I attend their homes. Because the most important part of anyone's square footage in their home is their table, their dining room table. And if I don't go to those folks into their house and here or their neighborhoods and understand what they talk about at their kitchen table, what is important to them, what that square footage means to them, then I'm not doing something for all. I'm not doing it for everyone. And although you have engaged the community probably more than anyone I've seen, there's still work to be done. And we'll celebrate it and move forward. Uh, the only caveat to your second part of that question is I was informed that um, Lincoln would not be a great job simply because you're losing, you're, you're going to come in and replace such an amazing superintendent. That is just phenomenal. And I heard that from more than one person, mostly as a side joke of, of say, hey, you know, it's easier to follow someone not as successful. Um, you, you guys are blessed to have such an incredible leader, and I've, I, I know so, several people that know him, but 
He's made some significant impacts, and there's no question about the, the, the 13 or 14 minute conversation or 24 minute <coughs> conversation I had with him. There was one focus. It was it was clear. It was students. It was children. It was all about them, and we'll work from there. Um, so uh, we're very very fortunate. Um, and no, it doesn't intimidate me, but certainly gives me a model to at least aspire to, if not exceed. Dr. Licata, LPS is an atypical district with a board that is perhaps more involved than most. What are your thoughts on how you plan to collaborate with this board in the decision-making process? So I've done my homework on you as well. Um, <laughs> and I think this is one of the most functional boards, and this was one of the reasons why I really felt that I could fit in and make a difference because you do come together. I've watched some of your board meetings, and some of your board meetings you may seem are um, not educationally focused and may be distracted by some other events occurring in the world. It's pretty mild. And I know that when you guys talk about it, it, it's a common goal, and you discuss it, but you discuss it in a fashion that is best for children and come to that common goal. I think what most impressed me about the, the board is when the announcement of a speaker to win an award when you were doing the Teacher of the Year awards the other, the other day, the excitement that you guys showed when you walked up to present that award, it wasn't just another award because it wasn't another award to, to, to a teacher. It was special to them. And the way it was announced, the way it was choreographed, and the way that person had to feel when they were up here, when one of you stepped away, oh, no, no, it's my turn, it's my turn. And at one point, I think you were arguing over who gets to go up. To me, that displayed enthusiasm for what is being done. And if there is a focal point of making sure teachers feel appreciated, because we know teachers make the difference in the classroom, that is an easy goal to work with. We're not always going to agree, but we, we need to make sure that we're one unified voice, and that voice has to incorporate everyone who's sitting behind me and everyone who's listening and everyone who's out there who doesn't have the ability because maybe they work two jobs, and we have to make sure that they're represented as well. So I think that's the collaboration. Um, Pete Licata doesn't make decisions in isolation. I did that one time, and I paid dearly in front of a board for it. I still remember it, and it wasn't intentional. It was just a great idea that wasn't shopped out to all the people that needed to hear it. We still went through with it uh, a few years later. Um, Pete Licata makes decisions that are uh, good because he's done it in a teamwork fashion and made sure he listened to everybody's perspective. And uh, that's the way it stays, and that's the success of who I am because that decision is embedded in what I think, too. Uh, we celebrate the greatness together, um, but when we move forward and, 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 and are very successful, we make sure we point it out that it was because we all had the same goal, and that has to stay that way. It has to stay that way. Dr. Licata, describe a time when your board, upper-level management team, and community members were not in agreement over an issue of importance. How did your leadership help build consensus among the groups? Okay. Um, now is the time. I spoke of the time I made a decision in isolation. Well, um, great segue. As an assistant super of uh, uh, choice and innovation, um, I was tasked to make sure we didn't lose any more students. Charter schools are prevalent in, in Florida, and shame on us if we aren't providing the best education for anyone that comes to us. That is our role. That is our main duty. That's our only job. And we had lost some enrollment at the middle school level from three schools that were six, eight miles apart, and three of them could fit into two. And then we had a building that we could utilize because we were running out of high school space. 
And I came up with a great plan, worked with my team, we, we came up with great diagrams and everything. And it was actually a pretty good plan. It, it's now put into place, a little bit different, but um, I went to the board that night and uh, I was um, abruptly stopped because I didn't incorporate everybody's decision making. It was a good plan. It really was a good plan. This was my first time at this and uh, boy, it hit hard. It hit hard. Um, you know, we're failures if we continue to make mistakes, the same mistake over and over again. We're successes if we make that mistake once and then fix it the next time. Well, that's not going to happen again. And it didn't. Uh, I appreciate that mistake and I got a pretty good tongue lashing that night uh, in front of TV and I probably deserved it. But it wasn't out of malintent in any way. It just wasn't the process. It wasn't the system. And I realized the importance of process and incorporating the folks behind me and the folks listening and the folks out there that can't see us to making sure I hear them before we make massive moves like that. So um, I don't know what a skillet feels like when it hits you on the side of the head, but I think it felt just like that that night. And it still hurts. But it reminds me that we have to make decisions as a group and we can't make them individually. There are some decisions in, 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 in emergency situations, principals and us will have to make some very tough calls. And from what I understand, one of the toughest calls the superintendent makes in this district is when you call a snow day. <laughs> um, we'll avoid that conversation um, simply because I've never had to do that. We've called hurricane days, but never snow days. <laughs> so uh, I learned a lot that night. I learned a lot. Um, went home, tail between the legs. That was a great plan. I don't get it. I don't get it. And then I finally got it. And uh, it was a good learning tool. Again, you're a failure if you keep keep making the same mistake. Your success if you only make it once and fix it after that. Very good. Dr. Licata, you got through all of our questions. I thank you for that. Yes, very good. <laughs> We're in great shape. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you for your long day. You have officially now been here for 13 hours. Well, maybe 12 and a half. So it's a, it's a long one. We do thank you for everything. Um, we will go ahead and dismiss you. You may go up to your office, get everything you need, and head back to your hotel. Once again, thank you. Thank Do you have you. any parting remarks you'd that, like to I make? I was going to ask as a point of privilege if sure. I could have one more minute, if the audience would entertain. I want to make sure that um, folks understand um, Lincoln was my priority. As you can see, we're throwing from my hometown and saying no. I also want to understand that I don't have a connection to Nebraska. This was the ninth state I've never been to. Now it's no longer the ninth state. I only have eight states left to go to. This is a commitment from me. This is also the idea that if you're interested in status quo, you're staring at the wrong person. You're staring at the person who loves to keep what's great in this district, but improve what isn't great. That's been my craft. It's going to stay my craft. And I'm not going to negotiate that craft because students are the ones who benefit. So if you're asking for status quo or ne negotiation of how we get there, I'm not going to uh, entertain that. I'm going to entertain how we can do it. But at the bottom line, I work for children. And that will never change. It's my um, sincere thank you to all of you. It was an incredible day. It flew by. Um, and I can't say um, I know what the Lincoln way is. As I said, nobody has yet to define the Lincoln way. But you can feel it. And it's 24 hours later, and I can start to feel it, and I understand it. The acceptance that we don't do the same things as everyone else do, but we do it better. And we make sure we continue to do it better. So um, you can have my um, commitment that I will continue the Lincoln Way and make sure this district steps even into a bigger realm of importance in Nebraska. 
So I appreciate your time. I appreciate the parents' time, and I appreciate every staff member that uh, waited on us and moved us about. Um, they've been gracious. Everyone's been wonderful. So thank you for your time, and uh, good luck on your search. Thank you very much. Thank you.